What must Rollins be thinking? I don't know. I think he's thinking, Again. what is it going to take, obviously? Or do I have what it's going to take? Over and over and over again. What is Rollins going to have to do? King, remember when he talked about having to go to that place very few men can find, very few men can go to? Seth Rollins, I think, has come to grips with he's got to go to somewhere he never even knew existed. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of Just What the Internet Needed More Of. That's right, it's a wrestling podcast. It's another wrestling podcast. It is called Top Marks. It's another wrestling podcast called Top Marks. My name is Justin Morissette and with me once again, as always, is the janitor himself. He's cleaning up the messes of the masses. Josh Custodio. Shame if you'll allow me. I'm just going to have uh, just a tiny bit of this beverage that I'm holding. Not not too much. Okay. Just going to take just a, a, a little, little, little... Just hang on one second here. Little... Sip of the bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly. We That's what I have. here drinking some bubblies. Yeah, two sick boys here recording a, uh, a wrestling podcast while drinking uh, bubbly sparkling water. This yeah, is you just put your son down to, to bed uh, so <laughs> yes, that he wouldn't yeah. cry at all yeah. during the recording. Well, you know how little I like him. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you are currently looking after a Tamagotchi. <laughs> That's absolutely correct, yeah. <laughs> He's, let me tell you. And his name is Simon Gotchi, which I think uh, listeners of this program oh, absolutely. Will, the listeners got to appreciate that. also do that. Do you ever get, and this is... Man, we are way off track already. But boy, do you ever get that video suggested to you on YouTube? Simon Gotch buries Enzo Amore. Always. It's the number one recommended video <laughs> for anyone who's ever looked at any wrestling-related thing ever. But, like, I have watched that video. Why is it still constantly recommended to me? Maybe you want to watch it again. <laughs> I don't. I know what he says. Are you sure? I'm positive. I've watched Stranger Things. <laughs> Netflix it. always tells me I should watch it again. Maybe yeah. YouTube doing the same thing. Yeah, these bunch of marks. Madman, there really couldn't be more going on of the wrestling world. We picked a hell of a time to come back. We I really like, did. Because uh, things were really good when we recorded our episode last week. Yep. And things went to hell since then. Well, it sort of it went to hell and back, you might things say. Things went to hell in a cell. Madman, I'm just going to list for you the things that I want to touch on this week. Okay. Show, okay. Okay. Did you write a song about them? <laughs> no, but can I just say thank you to, to all the people who sent sweet messages about that song? Really? People did? Not, not a ton, but probably six, seven people. I'll reach like, out to you directly. I didn't hear anything about that. A couple that. things in the group chat. A couple people tagged you. Well, what, 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 what do you want to be told about it? Ah, I want people to say, hey, Josh did a great job on the show you two do together. Please, and everybody. Not, and then I would say, that's very kind. I'll be sure to tell them that. <laughs> okay, well, let's everybody please go to at Justin Morris on Twitter and just let them know how much you like the song from last week's episode yeah, of the program. Just, whenever you want to compliment Josh, tell it <laughs> yeah, to me, yes. and I will gatekeep your compliment That's, whether it's acceptable for him to hear it or not. What would be an unacceptable compliment? Uh, just to be like, mm, Josh's hair looks weird. I think the guy's wearing a wig. That's I, not a compliment, I Ryan. I wouldn't pass that along. <laughs> no, our friend Ryan Schaap thought my hair was a wig the other day. Yeah, because he didn't have it slicked back. But yeah. I, well, I didn't know it was so naturally curly. Yeah, this was a big surprise to people, I guess, that because the rain had washed out my hair, and normally I'll... I'll Here comes the rain again, that, yeah. washing all the oil out of Josh's <laughs> hair. <laughs> Maybe go tell that Justin Morris how good that song was. Uh, but okay, no, no, no. Tell you to tell me. <laughs> yes, I am your people in this instance. I'm at J0SHC, and if you want to compliment Madman Morris that, you better go through me, and if it's inappropriate... 
I will not be passing it on. Uh, that's true friendship. That's absolutely. Hashtag good friendship, you might say. Clink. Clink me. Clink our bubblies. So from last week's episode, we talked to you uh, about Dynamite. And since then, we have to talk about Friday Night Smackdown. Yes. With The Rock. Sunday's Hell in a Cell. Not going to talk about Monday Night Raw. Wednesday, AEW Dynamite. Hey. Wednesday, NXT. And WA Power. And a New Japan show this Sunday to preview. I will say... Raw really feels like the S tier show lately, <laughs> and when I say S, shit I mean tier. shit. Tier. Yeah, I was about to. Yeah, Raw feels like now. Who knows? Because the draft we're recording this before uh, tomorrow's draft on, on Friday. So yes. Who and knows? And then come Monday again, it could be built up with all kinds. But right now, it definitely feels like that's the project show, dude. If you had to do a power ranking of everything you've watched this week, well, I think Hell in a Cell would probably be last for me. Yes. But but then Raw would be. Right above that. I would ask you, what would you say felt more important in terms of positioning at the time? Okay. Monday Night Raw right now oh. or WWE CW on sci-fi? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take a mulligan on this one and say ECW on TNN. <laughs> that's, that's about – no, it doesn't – does it feel like an important show to you? Monday no, Night not Raw? at all. It's, it's just – and part of that's a holding pattern. We talked about this last year for the, these – and I think more recently even for Greatest Royal Rumble. But these, these Saudi shows, they, they jack up with the builds to things. They do. I mean, that's – there's other problems with Hell in a Cell, obviously, as we'll get to. But I think that is a big one that, like, it just didn't – it didn't have a card. It got half of its card an hour before it started, which they did this shit with SummerSlam too. But, like, at some point – you need to get your act together and not forget that you have pay-per-views coming up this week. It's so true. But that said, I don't mind, or at least on Sunday sitting down for Hell in a Cell, I don't mind a little bit of mystery around the cards. Don't get me wrong. Not as a pattern, but it's like, oh, I wonder what this will be. I wonder what this will be. But you just, a surprise demands you to pay it off. Like, and when it's just, it's like, oh, this is what I waited for? Like, repeats from Raw? Mm -hmm. Or, like, angles they could have very much seen coming? It feels sort of mixed. A house show match, basically, which is what the six-man tag was. The full credit to AJ Styles' incredible <laughs> acting. Oh, my goodness. AJ, just with the club in general, has been refreshed to me. Um, Yeah, I would agree with that. Not that sure. the angles have been great, but he himself, I mean. Yeah. Uh, Mad Men, I think maybe it's best to go through these things chronologically. Well, before we move on, yeah. I want to I want to add one little footnote to our little yeah. Raw discussion here. Because I don't think we're going to talk about Raw for the rest of the show. <laughs> I, You're giving it a Raw deal, you I might say. I am kind of excited by the possibility of the stakes being so low. Of like it being so far down the pecking order in terms of what the company is putting focus and importance on right now. That Heyman kind of gets free reign to bring in a bunch of mm. underutilized guys that the overall scheme of the company might not care enough about to do something interesting with. Like he did with SmackDown yeah. years ago. Yeah. And you can tell right now, I mean, both in how the show has been presented heading into the draft and just kind of scuttlebutt about what we hear as far as who Paul Heyman's guys are. Yeah. And obviously, he loves Aleister Black. Yes. He loves Ricochet. Yep. He loves Buddy Murphy. Buddy Murphy, for sure. And, uh, I, you know, that's kind of the list right now, but I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if maybe, like, an Ali is on that list Could as see. far as somebody that, that Heyman thinks he can get something out of. Yep. Like, it's Yeah, it's a bunch of former NXT and 205 guys, but they deserve a platform to feel like stars. Of course. I mean, listen, you, you can call me out on Homerism for this one, but, I mean, how often has Paul Heyman been wrong about his eye for talent. I mean, very seldom. When he pushes a guy, Mike Knox is 
a big failing of his. Yeah. That, that'd be one. But in general, when Heyman decides to run with a guy, it's generally somebody that I like. And the people that you've listed, Buddy Murphy, eh, I can kind of go either way. I think he's an incredible worker. I and agree I, that he's a very good worker, very it, high end. I felt uh, like super happy for him and like it was awesome to watch SmackDown really run with him yeah. during the Roman Reigns-Daniel Bryan angle. But then he got a clean win over Daniel Bryan and then was basically never seen again after his spectacular opening round King of the Ring match against Ali. I had completely forgotten that happened. Three weeks in a row on SmackDown, Buddy Murphy had unbelievably good TV matches with Roman, Bryan, and Ali, and then vanished. Yeah, that's what you get. So, Can't go beat Daniel Bryan. That's it, what I always say. If Paul Heyman wants to do something with this guy, I'm fully in favor but, of but that. But I, I was saying that more to, to point out Gosh, somebody pushing Aleister Black would be real nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, and like as much as his scripted promos all kind of feel the same. I don't mind it, actually, I to do, be honest. I do like the over-enunciation of, come knock on my door yeah. and pick a fight with me. I like it, too. Listen, eventually it's going to have to pay off, right? Yeah. Like it, it has been long running and people saying, you know, let's get to it. I totally hear you. But I've long said, and I really do stand by this, if they have nothing for you, these little things are much better than like, all right, some nothing program and horrible promos oh, yeah. and throwaway. Give me this all the time. He's very much a new toy for sure. Yes. But he's been left in his packaging, yes. which is much preferable to being opened up and used like the fiend. That's exactly right. Oh, my goodness. Oh, let's, let's hold off for Hell in a Cell. Let's go. Actually, Jamo, I don't want to go fully chronologically. I do want to, starting at Friday Night SmackDown, but I just want to give a little shout-out here at the top to NWA Power uh, with three R's, yeah. I think is how it's styled. Power. All right. We, uh, that needs some help. I, I don't know why. Like wh- I thought it was. I was like, how can all these people be misspelling it? Can and then you I roll your R's? Oh, my middle name is a rolling R. Of course, of yeah. course. So can you say Power like that? I've got the power. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joshua Rajeda, not for nothing, you know. Um, but I thought NWA Power was really a magnificent show. I mean, I was saying to you off air, JMO, that with NXT going two hours, yeah. there's just a lot of room in my life for a one hour show. And forget about a one hour show that looks just. I mean, entirely different from anything else you're watching in the week. It's it's studio wrestling, mm-hmm. but done to like. Like, I mean, I heard people say this, and I saw some screenshots, and I was like, oh, that's cool. They're kind of steering into it. They're not steering into it. This isn't, like, the aesthetic of the show. They're just redoing NWA's studio wrestling yeah, with it, modern wrestling. It looks like a Crockett Promotions studio show. That's exactly right. Like, it has that full aesthetic, which is kind of cool. It, listen, it, I'm not saying it's the best-looking wrestling show on Earth, but what have I said about Impact for so long? It's like, Impact needs to do something that they're not just junior WWE. Like, what makes them different? What's their identity? NWA doesn't have one wrestler I love on its roster. I could say Tim Storm, but I I don't love him. And yet, here I am. It's just because it's so different. It's scratching such a different itch. If you're looking, maybe you liked the Cody Rhodes versus Dustin match. Was that a double or nothing? Yes. Maybe you liked that match. I did. I loved it. I know you did. I'm the the proverbial you, the the royal you. The royal you. Uh, If you like that sort of wrestling. King you. (laughs) That's absolutely correct. (laughs) I would, even if you just want to fast forward through the episode, all available free on YouTube, it closes with Tim Storm versus uh, Nick Aldis 3. And I'm not saying it's as good as Cody versus Dustin, but it's a match very much in that spirit. And That has the vibe of like an 80s main event. Exactly right. And uh, this show obviously has an emphasis on promos. I mean, guys like Eddie Kingston and James Storm, who I don't at all care about, are cutting promos that I think are... 
I mean, they're steering into, again, this old aesthetic. And Tim just, Storm and James Storm on I the know. same show. That's a lot of storms. It's all, you might say too many, including yeah. James Storm. But I'm just saying if NWA could get some sort of free agent that could get them some attention, or even a guy I really like to help me latch on to them, I could easily see myself diving into this program. Okay, what if uh, Tim Storm and James Storm <laughs> formed a tag team Go ahead. where they like wore... <laughs> Uh, Hawaiian shirts uh-huh. and like flower necklaces. Okay, puka shells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming down the ramp. They're putting the flower <laughs> necklaces. Okay, on, the on girls in the front row. Yeah, yeah you just got laid. That's okay, the, that's, that's the, the, the catchphrase. Line, yeah. uh, and their their tag team name, of course, <laughs> the Tropical Storms. <laughs> There it is. I mean, unfortunately, I think that would eat up uh, most of their main event scene besides like, all this to put them in a tag team. But I was just sort of thinking of guys who, you know, the PWG and ROH influence certainly to NXT and to AEW. It's maybe not for everyone. And if you're maybe, like, for example, a Brody King or something, maybe NWA as like a top guy there working at Bruiser Style, that might be a really good path for some guy. So worth checking out if you want to burn. I think it's an hour and two minutes on YouTube. If you're looking to burn that amount of time, I really recommend at least giving it a chance because it's incredibly different. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll uh, give it a look. And I'm glad that you watched it because it's certainly a point of interest for me this week and I just didn't have time for yeah, it. Yeah, it, it, you could definitely go back to it. I won't spoil who wins the, the 10 pounds of gold, so to speak. And uh, yeah, I would I would recommend at least seeking out that, that match to get an idea of what it looks like. All all right. But let's start with some Friday Night SmackDown, Madman. Yeah, let's do it. Big, thought, big show, debut on Fox, did uh, close to 4 million viewers. I think it was 3.9. Yeah, was, yeah I think 3.8 or 3.9. And just crushed it in the key demographics oh, of did it? Uh, adults 18 to 49. Is it is it fair to even talk about the ratings on this episode? Not really. The Rock is such a different thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, you knew that he would be there. Like, they also advertised Austin, though, and he wasn't there. That was kind of weird. Did they advertise Austin? Like Two weeks out, they were like, laying it out that all the stars would be there. Now, now hang on. Are you talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin in ring, mm-hmm. or are we talking about Stone Cold Steve Austin on Skype? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, no. How going to be shitty. on Skype. We were doing the show at this point. If I could just circle back and say, fuck you, WWE. Dude, I was in the audience for that. <laughs> oh, The Austin on Skype was the Toronto Raw after SummerSlam. Awful. And I was like sitting in my seat, Awful. looking up at the big screen, watching Stone Cold on his gamer rig. Oh, can we can talk we just, about <laughs> untitled goose games? Here's here's arguably the most important wrestler of our time. He's gonna he's gonna phone in on a Skype video call. It's like fuck you. What are we talking about here? Like, do you have no idea of what's good? But anyway, so SmackDown. We won't break it down piece by piece because there's so much to get to, but we obviously have to talk about the main event angle. Yeah, well, first of all, just what a treat to see The Rock back again. And the, the guy has to. I know it's incredibly difficult with the way films are insured, especially given that he already got injured in a wrestling match midway through production of his fucking stupid Brett Ratner Hercules movie. <laughs> that movie sucks. I saw it. That movie sucks. Um, I never saw it, but I Smart. knew it was going to be bad from the get-go because, I mean, Brett Ratner. But <laughs> yeah, also, it doesn't help anything. Uh, yeah, like, he already has been injured in the middle of a production on a big movie that he was involved with that he was also the producer of. So I understand his reluctancy and the difficulty of getting him back in a wrestling ring. But, dude, 
get him back in a wrestling ring, and he probably wants it as well. There are so many words to describe wrestlers over the course of years, and in my opinion, none more accurate than calling The Rock electrifying. He is the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Like, And I know part of that it's almost like feeds into itself, right? Like when he shows up now, the crowd knows what they're supposed to do. But how cool was it to have Becky Lynch be the person to, to be in ring with them there and to, to get that rub? And to save him as he was just fumbling and didn't know where to go in his yeah. promo. <laughs> Becky Lynch saved The Rock. Straight up. Floundering in a promo. Truly the man. Uh, how, how do you get more the man than that? I mean, Baron Corbin having what what must have felt like a moment of his career. Oh, that's got to be the highlight of his, his entire jabron life. <laughs> jabron life. So there was that which we enjoyed. What else was on the the big Fox SmackDown show? This is like six years ago at this point. Just uh, like hours of there wrestling. was a very brief but very electric ladder match. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. Look, Shayna and Mac and uh, KO. Everything that I've said about NXT over the last little while about how they just uh, like pressed pause on all of these things that they could have done and did nothing. Yeah. A, a couple guys in the chat with us, I think Jason has really hammered home the point that the Shano. KO match at SummerSlam accomplished absolutely nothing. Yeah. Changed that zero as far as status quo. And he's bang on correct. That th- that could have been the angle that came out of that SummerSlam match. Instead, they kind of uh, put that whole feud into like a, a cryo chamber and was like, thaw before first SmackDown <laughs> yeah. on Fox. <laughs> it's, uh, no, sorry, man, man, just to get one thing clear here. You were talking about a guy, Jason, saying something. Where yes. was he saying this? He was saying this in the Top Marks Patreon group chat, which you can oh. join. It's the best group DM talking Twitter, uh, talking wrestling on Twitter that you're ever going to find. That's for sure true. And during AEW Dynamite, quite frankly, becomes a basically watch along live chat at this point. I mean, everyone's in there for Dynamite. And when the wrestling's not on TV, you couldn't find a more supportive group of boys on yeah, the entire internet true. to give you a nice little ego boost to carry you on throughout your day and help you through your troubles any day of the week. And you can join that chat by heading on over to patreon.com slash topmarkspod and throwing five bucks in the hat because we're back. And if you want us to continue to be back and do this show for you every week, please support the program. That's all we ask for. Is it patreon.com slash topmarkspod or is it, it patreon.com slash topmark? Oh, I screwed it up. You're right. No, it's I'm, now you've got me it's wondering. patreon.com slash topmark. Throw $5 in the hat. Join the greatest wrestling group on the internet. Madman, that ladder match, KO Shano. Short, yeah, but, but really good. I thought it was a lot. Of, it was so like, it, it's not a similar match to Brock and Goldberg at Mania, obviously, yeah. but it was obvious that they were like, we need to make an impact. We don't have all that long. This match starts with the gas pedal down. We you need know to I mean? have a, uh, a pay-per-view caliber match on Fast Forward. In, yeah, exactly. And a ladder match that's still going to have like the spots and feel impactful for the live audience. But what happens to Shane O'Mac now, do we He's think? gone. <laughs> well. He's dead. Yeah. He's fired. <laughs> Is that what you're, you're yeah. saying? He's going back to Chinese Netflix? <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> yeah, going something on. like that. <laughs> no, he's uh, disgraced his family and then he'll walk <laughs> into the ocean in all of his heaviest coats. So joking aside, do we see him at the draft on Friday? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I No, the word was that this was always the angle intended to write him off of television. Oh, is that right? The KO would be the guy to send him packing? Yeah. I mean, that is the right ending to the story. It was just such a horrible road to get there in and some like, ways. And, like, he can come back in the future, and I'm sure he'll still be involved in the company on some level. It's just like Triple H and Stephanie on some level, right? Like, yes. get the fuck out of here for a little while. <laughs> Please. You've been all over the TV for way too long. And, I mean, hell, that's going to be a problem this week because uh, – 
By the time you're hearing this, tonight, Stephanie McMahon is going to be the commissioner of the WWE announcing Ugh. every single draft pick for Ugh. both brands. But, yeah. you know, like, if Shane wants to come back down the line and have a return match, work uh, the match that you and I were clamoring for at WrestleMania this year. What was that? A street fight with David Arquette. Yes! Uh, <laughs> I, I still would love to see it. You would love to see it. Uh, but, but yeah, just like come back for a one-off. Like have a surprise return again. I yeah. know that you can't necessarily have a surprise that will be as big as when he came back to take on the Undertaker, Never. but just let him go away and feel like a, a nice thing to have back when he comes back. It's been overdone at this point. As annoying as the Stephanie involvement is, not just in the draft, but in general, uh, let's give a little bit of a shout in out. In life. Yeah, just in <laughs> life. Uh, I'd like to shout them out because d- did you see how they're picking the draft order? Do you know how they're doing this? Uh, yeah, they have, they're having a match between Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. But doesn't that feel like Seth and Roman are going to stay on Raw and SmackDown respectively? It's like uh, taking yeah. them out of the draft. It, it sort of does. I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I like the idea of like team captains fighting for picks. It's interesting to me in a way. And those two have chemistry, man. I they think, do. Like, you think on Money in the Bank was that 2015 or so? Is that the yeah, last time they wrestled one-on-one? Probably. Yeah, I mean, you were there. I was. One of the great matches. I think that's 2016's 2016. 2016, yeah. Dean cashes in. Mamma Mia, what a night. AJ and Cena lock up for the first time. Um, great show. That was a fantastic favor. It was a really good favor. Money in the Bank, like has like we mentioned before, is like a weird way of like cranking out these absolute like great pay-per-views sometimes. This year's was only just okay. Yeah, not every year. Uh, so let's move on forward, JMO. That was Friday, and then... Uh, well, there's more to touch on. Oh, well, I was hoping we Because we, we got a couple other angles. Yeah, I know, I'm going to uh, have an unpopular opinion We, we got Tyson Fury getting involved yes. uh, in a uh, post-match angle after really a meaningless eight-man tag that didn't need to happen. It, it, was, it was purely just, a reason to have these guys on TV on Fox <laughs> and to start Fury yeah, and Yeah, just throwing. to get eight guys out on screen and introduce you to them. That was the other thing. Commentary consistently talking throughout this entire show as if nobody watching had ever seen wrestling that was before. weird Not, like it, that was obviously a directive it makes sense i guess so but it still was like a little a little heavy-handed i thought madman i gotta say I, I think i'm gonna be on the opposite ends as most people for the things we're gonna talk about but i will say i think i bring some perspective to this podcast because yeah. i know a ton about tyson fury I, I know a ton about kane velasquez i know like, absolutely nothing about tyson fury so he's the lineal heavyweight champion of the world and what that means is basically he beat famous heavyweight champion Vladimir Klitschko ended his reign and then refused what's called a mandatory in boxing to do a rematch against Vladimir Klitschko said he was retiring and so he vacated the belt so he never lost the belt so he's still the linear and he's come back and he's won fights he's had a draw against Deontay Wilder very big fight but he's a very important figure in the the uh, space of boxing with an unbelievably abhorrent past okay he was like an alcoholic and a drug dealer or drug addict he said some absolutely abhorrent shit in the past. Like, you cannot believe this guy is still allowed in the public sphere. All right. Well, I'm glad that WWE is doing business <laughs> with him and paying him with Saudi blood money. That well, just makes me feel good about everything. Well, dude, it's, it reminded me exactly of them going to Mike Tyson. Like, Mike Tyson used this as, like, a, a wrestling. I mean, it's like a rehabilitative space after, you know, go assaulting a woman and having Biting his... a guy's ear off. All these things. And it's like, Tyson Fury's doing the same. So wrestling is not above heavyweight champions with bad Pass. That's very true. Are you at all into Braun and Tyson? I mean, in so much as that it's part of a larger pattern of them pursuing this 
MMA or real combat sports crossover audience yeah. to try and attract people over from other sports to be like, hey, the guy you recognize from this thing is over here now. Yeah. Uh, I've got much more time for the one that will be in the main event relative to the Tyson Fury match. But for I guess sure. there's some curiosity there. The only thing I like about it because I really don't like it because I I just don't see how the match will be anything. Yeah. Like Braun Strowman isn't a guy. This isn't Neville and Stephen Amell where it's like, oh, you're athletic. I'm insane. We can make something happen here. Yeah. And those two were tagging together. It yes. wasn't a one-on-one match. Exactly. It was like, hey, Neville will do all the work and Stephen will get like a high spot in, yeah. in there. Yeah. And that'll be just fine. Well, yeah. Crossbody to the floor, I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It was pretty rad. But the only thing I do like about it is Braun Strowman is going to be dwarfed by Tyson Fury when they stand nose to nose. Mm-hmm. Like Tyson, how, how often do you see Braun Strowman be the smaller guy? Like uh, Fury's not more jacked, but he's, I think, 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, well, it just goes to show you that Braun is like 1,000% the new Big Show. Yes. Oh. Like they are just using him in the marquee attraction spot that Big Show would have been in 12 years ago. And was in. Floyd and Absolutely. Him. That's the, the number one comparison. Yeah. So, no, that's, that's 100%. And frankly, I'm great with that. I think Braun Strowman is a great Big Show replacement. I think quite highly of the big show, especially at the end. And then beyond that, we've got the main event angle from Friday, which was uh, just throwing Kofi Kingston in the fucking trash. Boy, I took a whooping on this one in just two separate chats. throwing <laughs> your number one babyface champion who has been a wonderful <coughs> uh, pioneer and uh, ambassador for the company over the last 180 days, just dropping that guy off in a dumpster. <laughs> just, see you, Kofi. Just, you mean nothing. Here's the biggest audience that we're ever going to get on this program all the eyeballs are here to watch you just get fucking smoked like a joke. If the, any of you who hadn't seen it, or maybe the gif that could encapsulate the entire match, Kofi leaps into one F5 and stays down for it. I can't remember the last person to get pinned off a one F5. Uh, yeah, because like even the matches that have been relatively one-sided that Brock has had along the way uh, when he's you know had this top guy run, everybody has at least, you know, got some offense in yeah. or kicked out of a dangerous move. Or Joe like, might have gone down to one, but he got in offense, And too. that match lasted eight and a half minutes. Yeah, this lasted eight and a half seconds. Yes. Uh, so let's, let's get this out of the way. That was, of course, horrible booking. Uh, despite whatever former patrons I have to argue with on the internet about it, it is not good to present champions like that. Yeah, and Kofi doesn't just deserve better because he was nice to me at a press junket. No. He's he just really nice to me at a press junket, and so I like the guy, and... He's a good champion. Yeah. I was excited to talk to him because of everything that he's embodied before we spoke. It's not that we did an interview and suddenly I'm a huge Kofi Kingston guy. Sorry for losing us a patron. It's fine. <laughs> but, like, that guy was looking for a fight, though. Like, what you he, were asleep. What does he expect me to say when he's like... Well, just because he, he, he liked you, just because he was nice to you, he deserves better? No. Yeah. Like, what do you expect me to say in response to that? You were asleep, You're... so I felt like I was well-equipped to be like, you know what, I think J-Mo wouldn't mind if I just told this guy to fuck up. Picking an, an argument and then got mad that anyone argued with him. Yeah, so, yeah well, there we on. go. Come on. $10 guy. less in the pocket. Come what on, are you going to do? Um, okay, so this happens. Kofi Kingston's pinned and is... <laughs> I mean, he disappears here. He's not still on camera. I don't know where Kofi Kingston went for this next angle. He uh, went into the the uh, the therapist's just, office. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, he's just swallowed up into a nightmare dimension, uh, which is Brock Lesnar booking, I guess. So Brock Lesnar standing tall in the ring, and Ray Mysterio's music hits. Yes. So now when Ray's music hit, I and I presume maybe others thought that it was Ray and Dominic. Well, he certainly looked like Dominic. He certainly looked like Dominic, but indeed it was not Dominic. 
uh, Mysterio. <laughs> it was uh, one Cain Velasquez, former UFC heavyweight champion, but more importantly, the man who ended Brock Lesnar's UFC heavyweight title reign. And honestly, even as someone who's never paid attention to UFC, yeah. I know there's a bunch of people who are like, fuck MMA, fuck UFC, like... WWE needs to remember that Brock Lesnar is a star because of WWE. He was a star in UFC because of WWE. Bringing UFC guys to WWE is not going to make them stars. Right. Which, I guess, I mean, that's a take. I don't know how I feel about that. but, but I would say it's a bad take if you consider Ken Shamrock or Kazucha Sakuraba. Or Ronda Rousey. Or Josh Barnett. But, <laughs> but we digress. But what I do think is, from everything that I've seen of Cain Velasquez working Lucha Libre and AAA... He is fucking incredible in a wrestling ring. He is like D'Angelo Williams, just a natural, yeah. gifted athlete. That's the comparison. Who immediately has picked up the sport and looks amazing in the ring. And if he wants to pursue this as a regular thing, and if WWE can sign him to keep him around beyond this, this is a huge get for the company. This well, is a huge get for the company. I'll say a couple things. When he hit that ramp, and listen, I was losing it here in my living room. However... The crowd didn't know who this guy was. This no. was very obvious to me that this was the big reveal, and while the pop in here in Fear 5 was sizable, the pop in Arena uh, is not was not what it was to be. So I, I'm worried about how do you tell that story if you don't have the UFC footage to tell it? Also, how do you get across to your audience that this is what a real athlete looks like? <laughs> when you have conditioned everyone yeah. to believe that, you know, CrossFit Jesus is the peak of athleticism. Yeah. And you bring out a genuine, uh, you know, heavyweight champion of the world. And he's got a little bit of, like, flab in the belly or yeah. whatever. That doesn't mean that he's not athletic. It doesn't mean that he's not, like, one of the strongest men on earth. Well, let, let me put it this way. When he was UFC heavyweight champion in, I think, 2013, if everyone in the world was to fight, yeah. he is the favorite. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's an insane thing to think about. I just saw a lot of people being like, wow, Cain Velasquez, you couldn't be bothered to get on a treadmill before making your wrestling debut? Yeah, I, I, The guy's still fucking... He... I dare you to say that to his face. <laughs> I just love the idea of like, it's like, oh, you, you couldn't hit the gym. It's like, what are you talking about? This guy is like a pure shooter. Like, this is a body. We're not faking a body that can kick fake ass. Like, this is a body of a guy that you can go on YouTube and watch him kick untold ass with. Like, exactly. you don't have to imagine it. Like, you would go see it. So Exactly. Um, so get out of here with those, this guy's not athletic enough takes. That's the game's the only real athlete in the company <laughs> yeah, right that's, now. That's the thing. It's like, <laughs> what are we talking about here? Now, I am very open to the argument that it's like, I just don't need real fighters infiltrating pro wrestling. It's not that interesting to me. They can't pro wrestle all that much. I'm open to that argument. But the actual, and maybe this is just me as the crossover nerd between these things, but the idea that Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez, this pairing, this feud, if you like, are going to feud for the UFC heavyweight title and also the WWE Universal Championship. I can't help but tell you this is profoundly interesting to me. Like, this is unprecedented territory. This is a feud across belts, across sports. It's just too interesting for me to pass up. And getting to see Brock Lesnar sell scared is a fun wrinkle we haven't seen. And at the same time, though, this fully 1,000% does not need the belt. You could have just had... Instead of the music and they come down from the top of the ramp, you could have had Ray and Velasquez come out from the crowd and interrupt that match. And Kofi gets to stay champion. And that match 
Because, like, Kofi versus Brock could be a genuine match yeah. that didn't need to be eight seconds long for TV purposes. For sure. Like, you can save that match, you can save your champion, and you can, you know, program this program away from the top belt because Kane Velasquez walking in and immediately being a contender for, you know, the Universal title or the WWE title or whatever title it is. Yeah. Universal, but still, it, does it, it is the WWE title actually because it's the. Oh yeah, it was on Kofi. Yeah. What the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, it does. This is how like, forgettable Rollins. It just is. feels like Brock should be the Universal Champion, right? Uh, no, just immediately throwing him into the title scene. Yes, he he is everything that I just made the case for as a legitimate athlete. So you can make that argument, but it does feel like he's skipping the line yeah. of all the guys that you have in your company. Well, that's undeniable. In terms of needing the belt, I'm kind of of two minds of it. I feel like it needs the belt like Brock versus Goldberg did, which is to say it. It didn't really, but if you're trying to make a splash and you want someone to carry the belt, people who can get on television, being Goldberg and Cain Velasquez and Brock, I do still feel like those titles are a bit of a signifier of big deal. And so in keeping with this SmackDown Friday Night Fox push, I understand why they want to go off with the angle of these two fighting again for a belt. I get it. So it doesn't need the belt, but I do understand how they arrived at the decision to do it. Okay, fair. Should we move on to the Selly Hell? Yeah, I guess so, yeah, because that's that's Friday's show. A Friday main event finish that already had a good many WWE fans incredibly pissed off yep. over the way they treated Kofi Kingston. Josh, would that be the end of people being mad about main events over the course of this weekend? I'm actually happy to report that basically the main event was unanimously loved by all. They said, wow, <laughs> WWE hasn't had a piece of booking like this since uh, 2011 with Punk. I remember uh, that. That's Oh, I... J-Mo, I'm actually looking at the... No, everyone fucking hated it, actually. <laughs> that's that's how it turned out. For good reason, Madman, because I don't even feel like we can talk about the rest of the show. I feel like we have to talk about the main event, oh, well, and for then sure. we can talk about for the sure. rest of the show. No, I had to go on the radio like an hour after this show ended and describe how the show ended. What, where, where, where on the radio? On Sportsnet 650, Wrestle Central every Sunday night at 10 p.m. Pacific and Standard Time. And I'm talking about this match and saying, you know... Uh, <laughs> Bray is just laying in the ring at this point as Seth continues to dig a, uh, weapons out from under the ring and hit him with whatever is available to him. I described it uh, as so cartoonish it was like watching him drop a, a grand piano on top of his head <laughs> or like a safe or something, like Looney Tunes <laughs> yeah, style. It was runner. so absurd. And I, I was laughing as I was describing this, and I had to, I just had to stop and be like, this feels stupid even as I say it out loud, never mind what it felt like to watch. So, I mean, wh what can we say that hasn't been said about Seth Rollins versus The Fiend? Uh, it's mostly as bad as people make it out to be, in my opinion. For, before we begin there, yeah. did you like the red lighting, yes or no? I didn't hate it as much as everybody else, that's I for sure. I kind of liked it. I understand the live crowd feeling ma jacked up by it, but no, I thought it was kind of... If it was a better wrestling match, I might have hated it more because it did obscure vision a bit. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say go to it all the time, but if he's in a cell and wants to the red lighting, I'm fine with it. It felt like they were in like the nightmare realm of Bray Wyatt. That's right. Yeah, this was his world. I'm going to say the red lighting was fine for me. I, if it popped up again, I'm not booing or cheering. I'm just like, oh, this is his thing. Okay, And I honestly, it. like, even as we got to that point in the match where Seth is just digging out weapons and hitting the fiend in the skull with them, there was something, like, intrinsically watchable about it. In sure. that, like, I could not take my eyes off the screen. Well, yeah, That definitely. doesn't make it good, but it was 
fascinating in a way that WWE rarely is. This match, up until the finish, I wouldn't say is unwatchable. It's definitely like they're doing something different. In fact, when the Fiend, when Seth's hitting the 400 curb stomps and the Fiend kicks out at one, my initial reaction was like, wow, that is ballsy, but hey, okay. That was my number one thing that I liked about the match was literally repeating the entire finishing sequence that put down Braun exactly right. and having the Fiend kick out at one. At one. And so I thought, okay, that's, that's kind of interesting. There's a very obvious storytelling here. The Fiend is unkillable. Why are you telling that story if a sledgehammer is going to put him on a stretcher? Yeah. Huh? And also... Why are you telling that story at all? Well, I mean, Because listen. you've introduced a character who defies the laws of physics, yep. is an actual, like, ancient deity, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, evil, evil incarnate. An evil spirit from the nether realm yeah. who cannot be put down. Well, except by, <laughs> as we all know, a hammer hitting a... Well, that, that didn't even do it. Yeah. A hammer that hits a ladder that has a chair in it, like yeah. a chair ladder sandwich. Uh, yeah, no, like, the whole thing was silly, but also you've, you've upped Bray Wyatt's power level to such an extent <laughs> that as a character, he breaks the believability of the reality of your entire company, in a way. He's only one shade under Johnny Gargano in terms of, like, a kick out from anything. <laughs> oh, I mean, this up. guy, <laughs> nothing keeps the fiend down. <laughs> Madman, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, and I'm so sorry, because I know... But, I know when, but when you do that, like... <coughs> Do you think they have some kind of finish in mind down the line for how they will eventually stop this guy? Because if you don't have one, what the fuck did you just do? I I, I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. Unless the unless if they didn't is, have a finish for this show, why would they have a finish for the next show? If they have a plan, all it is is one Roman Reigns spear. <laughs> that's that might be the one thing that they keep the feed down. JMO, I'm sorry, but I, friendship. It's the magic of friendship <laughs> that will overcome the we're feed. We're really happy that. I, when Seth Rollins got DQ'd for using, and now I'm not even here to complain about DQs. Rep, about Ref called stuff. him Colby as well and said, think I about what you're doing I here. I saw this. You're going to kill this man. Awful. I cannot believe the fucking gall of this company to constantly pimp the Undertaker streak in your face. Yeah. Greatest thing. Number one thing. You got to watch the collection. Undertaker streak. Oh my God. How many times have you seen Triple H hit the Undertaker with a sledgehammer in a hell in a cell? Uh, maybe a thousand. Maybe somewhere in the one thousand range. <laughs> Do you have any recollection of him getting DQ'd in these? Never, not once. And any recollection of a ref? Of course, the ref's like, "Hey, put it down, Hunter." This sort of you see that. But also, Triple H was swinging a sledgehammer in a way that no <laughs> real person has ever used a sledgehammer. You don't put your hand on top of the and then swing it like a battering ram. Yeah, no, you don't. Never. That's no not... one has ever done that. Well, before. that's how I don't say no one. That's how I do my hammering. That's so don't don't let me in with these people who don't know the world of construction like I do. <laughs> That's, I, I was so mad at this. I try to not get too heated about the wrestling, but when they, I was just like, how the hell? Who sat around a table and was like, yeah, get into the show? Yeah. I, you could give somebody who's never watched wrestling before and be like, this is the ending. They'd be like, there isn't an ending there. You'd be like, uh-huh. <laughs> they, like, they, they, am I wrong here? It's madness. Well, I mean, all the intrigue around this match even was like, okay, you've kind of booked yourself into a corner in terms of where both of these guys yeah, are at. Totally. Like we said last week, it doesn't feel like time for The Fiend to lose. No. It also doesn't feel like time for Seth to lose the title. I would almost change that and say it doesn't feel like time for The, the Fiend to lose or the time for The Fiend to be champ. Yeah. So, so we, don't book the match. <laughs> yes, obviously. Like... 
But then they feel compelled to do it because Hell in a Cell, it's October, it's their spooky Halloween show. The show fucking happened on October 6th. Yeah. We weren't even a week into the spooky month because you were doing a literal (laughs) blood money show on Halloween day. Yeah, you got got Crown Jewel on Halloween. The true (laughs) most horrible Yes. There's nothing scarier than the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Well, depending on who you are, I mean, that's entirely true. (laughs) Don't drop me there. Yeah. What are they going to do with a fellow like me over at Saudi? Nothing good. Get the bone saw out. You're not kidding. You're, You're leaving in sandwich paper. Me and Kashagi, no good. <laughs> I I just, I really hated this. I didn't think, so often I come on the show and I say, oh, people are so hyperbolic, worst ever, IWC so overreactive. Mm. Not here. I, I was inclined to defend it a little bit initially because the reaction was so overwhelmingly negative. And like I said, there was something oddly compelling and unique and yeah fascinating about this. Like you couldn't take your eyes away from it. In the end, retrospectively, yes, that feels like the same attraction that you would have to a car wreck on the side of the road. Yeah. But until we got to the finish, it didn't feel that negative. Is it fair to say that it felt... Up until the ending and maybe what we were interested in, it felt almost more like an angle than it did a match. Like they were trying to get something across. It was more of like a story than yeah. it was two guys between the ropes. But then it what was, obviously was a match, but you know what I'm saying. What I've heard people trying to dig into this story about, you know, the Fiend pushing Seth to his limits and Seth has to get crazy. Like, I didn't feel like that story came across in the well, ring. Well... Of course not. What is it, what's what? How do you tell a story when one guy is buried under a chair for ten minutes straight? Well, and like ten curb stops should be him going crazy. Yeah. Like it just a hammer on top of all those things doesn't feel to me bigger than hitting your finisher a hundred times in a row and the guy kicks out at one. Yeah. Like that's when Seth should be like, "What the hell? This thing put down Brock Lesnar, and it yeah. can't put down the Fiend." Yeah. Ten of them? No, like I said, it just breaks the reality of it entirely of, does. of what you're doing in a, in a in a way that's completely unnecessary. There was no reason to do this right now. None. And I know that you and I talked last week about how too soon is sometimes the right time. Yes. You could have very easily done like a Bray Wyatt, Alistair Black program right now. But we talked earlier about the fact. That they haven't done anything with Aleister Black is actually like a saving grace for him at the moment. And it really feels like when we come into the week, it's like, well, the draft is this Friday, so nothing that happened last week even matters. Anyway. Yeah, and to some degree, that is the truth. What the, what but the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Man, man, we got to talk about a couple extra matches from this card. Uh, Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks putting on an absolute banger on Fantastic. This show. Some of the most creative uses of weapons since the New Day Usos cell match yep. a couple years back. Yep. I really, really enjoyed this. And uh, it's too bad for these ladies. I mean, lucky them that they were so far removed from the main event that they were in the opening spot uh, that they aren't tainted by it. But they are tainted by it in that no one's talking about forgotten. their match. Yeah, they totally got forgotten after this. I mean, they're not the most forgotten match, though, because I still feel like people are going out of their way to be like, well, don't throw the whole show out. That Sasha-Becky match was pretty good. Yeah. The most forgotten match was the second match on the show, the tornado tag between Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, and uh, the former Bludgeon Brothers, Harper and Rowan. Nicely done. This match was 
fabulous. It absolutely whipped it. Uh, I want to say one last thing about Becky Lynch and Sasha real quick. I Go just want to say it is so nice to see Becky working with a good worker again. Oh, yes. Because Becky isn't the A-side to like great matches. Like She's not going to pull a bad worker up. But paired with a Sasha, paired with a Charlotte, paired with an Asuka, she can make some greatness happen. So that was great to see. Uh, yeah, like you say, Brian and Reigns versus the, the Reapers, the Bludgeon Brothers, two-thirds of the Wyatt family, the good old boys, uh, Harper and Rowan. I had a great time watching this, this match. This match ruled, and it had a wonderful finishing sequence. I thought actually the first four matches in a row on this show. The whole first half. All had fantastic finishes. Yep. Uh, which is funny that, that they would get it all so perfect in the early stages and then completely fuck it up down the tail end, uh, especially in the main event. Well, and the opposite has to happen. Like, you can't have the beginning of the show be good and then the ending shit its pants. Like, it's just not, no one's going to remember this thing favorably. Yeah, I mean, even Randy Orton versus Ali was a very good match. Yeah, actually funny that you say that. A good finish, I thought, but kind of just a decent match. Yeah, it was, it was It was good. Yeah. It wasn't great. Uh, But again, another good match, the tag title match for the women's. uh, Yeah, Kabuki Warriors taking on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. I thought this cooked light right along. Uh, It says here Asuka and Kyrie kind of turn heel. Oh, yeah, Asuka especially is, is fully heel here. The right call to me, I hope she goes back to being a bit more vicious or just get some use, I guess is what I'm saying, because Asuka is... Here's what I will say. The most interesting thing about this show was watching it, knowing the draft is coming up, and seeing oh, sure. how people are being positioned heading into it. Because, you know, I enjoyed that Randy Orton versus Ali match. The thing that I most enjoyed about it is that Ali is on a pay-per-view six yeah. days before the draft. In a singles match, yeah. no less. That's big for him. And also, when we look at the fact that, you know, I would imagine that the networks and the company itself wanted the top champions heading into the draft to be Brock, Seth, Becky, and Charlotte. Yeah, that makes sense. They they also positioned the Japanese women to be very important. As yeah, well. that's true, and that is good to see yeah. because Asuka and Kyrie are, you know, they're going to float between both shows, and that's a good thing. Yeah, the well, it depends on the person, but yeah, I think a lot of people, including them, can absolutely pull it off. Madman, a couple other matches here. Charlotte Flair and Bailey, I thought was kind of meh. Uh, I don't know if these two just don't have chemistry. I don't especially like their last match either. I was, I was doing laundry during the finish. I don't even know how this one ended. <laughs> Charlotte, and won. I didn't care to go back. And check, yeah, I don't honestly. blame you. Uh, I thought I was excited, maybe like you for uh, um, uh, Asuka and Kyrie here. I was excited to see, or rather for Ali. It was nice to see Gable have a singles match on a pay per view. I didn't think the world of him and Corbin here. My but big complaint with the women's title match, SmackDown side, yeah, is like. Didn't it feel like they were really finally doing something with Bailey's character like a month ago? And that's yes, but all... mostly it's like an accessory to Sasha. Yeah, but like that's still something. They were still yeah. like playing with the idea of a heel Bailey, and I feel like that's all gone now. Yeah, like that's... it's just not. There's nothing. That's and that really. Isn't. And if you're somebody who's followed Bailey for a long time. She might not be your favorite of the four, nope. but like she's still pretty good. Yeah, she, she's the, easily and, the worst of the four horsewomen. Yeah, but right? like speaking of deserves better, she deserves better than to have her one moment of like character development from the last two years just immediately dropped and forgotten. Yeah, Ugh. I don't know. I I didn't. Well, give me a letter grade for Helena Cell, and we'll get out of here. Like a C, probably. Yeah. Maybe a C plus because they're the first half of the show is really very good. As soon as we get into Viking Raiders and Braun versus the OC, just the vibe of like, okay, this is a house show now. 
sort of swallowed up the rest of the card for me. This is and tr- then the main event was just god-awful. It's a tricky one because we've done a million of these shows, and when we are doing a pay-per-view review where Brock Lesnar's done some sort of squash at the top, I think we often feel very unsatisfied by it. I feel about 400 times madder about this than like a Brock Lesnar squash. As bad as that is, I, I don't know, but the, the, maybe it's just because I like The Fiend so much. I think I'm going to go with a C on this. As, and you're, I'm not saying you're wrong about any of the front half of the show being good. It is. Yeah. But when I'm thinking about my experience with Hell in a Cell, it's not a C-plus experience. It's diminishing returns. No, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, just a you know, sliding ramp that just goes underground at the end. It goes <laughs> off the charts, but in a bad way. And there wasn't a skateboarder to go down it to make it rad. But, Jamo, before we talk about that, before we talk about anything else, before we speak another word, we must keep it. Or, or kick, kick it. it. Jamo, do you remember the rules to keep it or kick it? Uh, it's been a little while. If you could please explain them I'll to me. I'll give you me. a refresher. Keep it or kick it is a segment where I, Josh Custodio, write down 20 to 25 musings from the wrestling world. Just ideas, anything that pops in my head that I think would be good for Justin to react to. Jamo then reacts to the item, saying if he wants to keep it, which means he likes it, he loves it, he wants some more of it, or wants to kick it, which means he hates it, he despises it, and he never wants to see it again. Do you understand the rules, Justin? I do understand the rules. Well, then it's time to, to hit the, the music. music. Jamo, keep it or kick it. Jim Cornette joining AEW. Uh, kick it. The Fiend is not drafted. He goes across all brands. Uh, I thought Bray's promo on Friday on SmackDown was excellent. They absolutely And was. there was a photo that made the rounds on social media afterwards of all the Fox executives sitting in front row. I saw that. Like, what the fuck? So confused <laughs> about what they just spent a billion dollars on. Um, I'll say kick that. Now, he should be contained to one show. Let's, I want full brand separation now. I, none of this fucking loosey-goosey stuff outside of the the women's tag. Jim Ross in 2019. Keep it. I think he brings something, even though he's not what he once was, as we said last week. The Fashion Police getting an NXT title run. Title run? A tag title run, I should say. Yeah, sure. Why not? Keep it. Kaishin Liger. Uh, keep it. For those of you who have not seen uh, Minoru Suzuki unmasking Jushin Liger to reveal uh, a Super Saiyan version of him. Look up the clip. Tremendous. We'll preview the match here in a few. Uh, we the people. Kick, kick it. I always liked We the People. I was, I'm was. i not sad about the segment. It's a babyface chant for a heel yeah, wrestler. Totally. It never made sense. It, it, but it was like the only good thing Jack Swagger ever had. And it was also compelling, like political satire, which is a yeah. venue that WWE is like doing everything in its power to avoid. Right well, now. I think you're forgetting about Mex America. Uh, <laughs> if you're lucky, you have forgotten about Mex America. I did until you just still, said that. Still my runner for worst gimmick of the, the 21st most, century. Like, it seemed like there was so much potential for political satire in Mex America and they were just like, what if the message is nothing? Yeah, what if we just <laughs> said the word Mex America? <laughs> Here, JML, keep it or kick it. Mex America. Hell in a Cell as a type of match. Now, think hard about this. We haven't had a Hell in a Cell that delivers or is good for a men's title in ages. The tag ones have been okay. The women ones have been okay. But it's it's under-delivered, in my opinion, a bunch. Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. But I, I wonder how much of that is just the new... Like, this new wave of wrestlers refusing to do 
the kinds of stunts that will make it right good. Yeah, it, that could be like, the case. Owen's Shane was fantastic. I did love but that. But Shane one. is just willing to get crazy in a way that I don't feel like Seth Rollins or Bray Wyatt or Dean Ambrose or any of those guys have really been willing to. No, I guess Dean starting at the top of the cage felt sort of big. But yeah, but then I mean he fell off when they did the table spot when that feud. It was you know. Climbing halfway down, and then I'll just push off the cage. Dean Ambrose starts on top of Hell in a Cell. John Moxley chews his way out of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> JMO, keep it or kick it. Orange Cassidy never speaking on AEW's Dynamite. Mm, that's hard. I, I love what they're doing. I love the presentation of Orange Cassidy. And he hasn't spoken yet, but I think he should. He's like a, one word he's here. He's a kick it, yeah. The idea that Walter vs. Kushida was match of the week. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, right. But so kick it for you, I suppose. I mean, kick it for me, but I, from everything I've heard, I'll say keep it. And I'm really looking forward to it, and I really like both those guys. So it, it makes absolute sense that it would be. I haven't even seen it. I'll say keep it. <laughs> SmackDown on Friday night. So specifically it being on Friday nights. Uh, I'll say keep it. I like the break in the week that we do not have to just cram everything in, especially with Wednesday becoming a double duty yeah. night now. I like the idea of even if I go out and I'm busy and I have plans on Friday, when I'm hungover on Saturday morning, I can just watch SmackDown. The whole weekend you have to get through it, yeah. It's a fabulous thing to have. This one was just batting around in my head. I don't know if it's uh, – and I couldn't decide. So I'm very interested in your answer to this next one. Nick Gage signing with NXT. Ooh. No. I really feel like as much as we've said this about a bunch of indie guys in the past, I mean, this was always the thing that was said about Kevin Steen. He lo he loves to swear too much. Right. You can't put him into a studio system or WWE system. Uh, yeah, Nick Gage would be ruined by a company. <laughs> Basically any company. Yeah, any company. Yeah. Any company trying to make money off of Nick Gage other than GCW will not have success with it. So I'll say kick it. Rather than feuding, Bray Wyatt... Uh, teams up with Aleister Black, converts Aleister Belak, brings him into the fold. Ooh, makes him a, a believer in the fiend. That's right. Yeah, I like that. I, I do kind of like that. Maybe, but I also want Aleister Black to just be a badass ass kicker as well. So I see the potential, but I'm going to say kick it. The aforementioned GCW gets added to WWE Network. Oh, Sundays I, at 10. I would love that more than anything. Sundays keep, at 10. After pay-per-views, get the run in. The, keep that super hard. And late night, kind of like yeah. ECW. Yeah. Bo Dallas leaves WWE and becomes an upper mid-carder in AEW. That would be the weirdest thing ever. I guess not entirely out of the realm of possibility when you see how they positioned Ty Dillinger. No. But Bo is just such a... He was so good in NXT, though, is the thing. Like, he's really been underutilized on the main roster. Yeah. So maybe you're onto something there. I don't know. Just something worth uh, worth thinking about. Think and you know what? AEW mid-card could use more guys. But they, they need more singles men. I'll just say, to I'll say keep it. NWA Power's name. How many R's are in that? I have three here written down. I think that's actually right. <laughs> and, is, I, and this isn't is. like, this is what they call it on YouTube. I know, I know. No, How? Just, and that's what the hashtag was on Twitter all week. Yeah, that's what the show is called. It's bizarre. Because Power is a different, decent name. Just Power Yeah, once in a Power or whatever. Yeah, I don't know why they did that. Because uh, they never even, heard of branding It's not before. even a callback to anything. You know? No. It's just weird. It sucks. Uh, I'll say kick it. And finally, and I think you're going to struggle with this one, Chris Jericho using the terms shoot and referencing bad creative in promos. Keep it. I love that promo. I loved that promo. 
and there, you know, whatever people want to say about it not being consistent as to there, you know, just our friend Andrew in the chat this morning was making the case that. Well, when he was a heel in WWE, he'd never do his catchphrases. He'd right. never be entertaining. I don't think that's true, though. But I don't think that's true either. And also, like... Certainly not. I'm the best in the world at what I do. He would yeah. say that constantly as a heel. But anyway. he's His whole MO with this entire persona is to embrace the comedy and lean into entertainment. He is the top heel in AEW because he's an egomaniacal, insane person. But there's all kinds of room for comedy within that... But persona. what about using like insider terms specifically? It really saying Jack Swagger is tough and that's a shoot. Um, Do I just have WCW and TNA PTSD? Probably yeah, because like <coughs> I think there's a difference between Russo writing that in a scripted promo and Jericho saying that in an unscripted promo. I loved his entire segment. I thought he was incredible. I thought he put the entire group over like gangbusters. And the number one thing that I liked about it was that you could tell he's just flying off the cuff. Yeah, this unscripted. is pure, unfiltered Chris Jericho. And when you can feel that in a promo, like there is an electricity to Dynamite that is missing from all of WWE's programming right now. And that's a part of it, man. Like that is a big part of it. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of CM Punk on television. And I obviously I mean that as the highest compliment. Where it's like, this is don't get me wrong, Jericho was great last night. I, I hated the creative and shoot words for the record, but I thought the promo was magnificent and made him instantly worth all of the investment they've made in him. But please don't say these things, Chris. I have PTSD from companies steering far too hard into this. I watched WWE in ninety nine. I'm good. Uh, <laughs> that all said, it reminded me of CM Punk because it was what do you think, six, seven minutes? Yeah, something like that. And I'm engaged on this thing that ultimately isn't that interesting. He's interesting introducing some people. There's no angle. He's not setting up who they're going against. Just here they are. He's introducing some people. But he feels this freedom to maneuver in the space, and he can read people. He can read the crowds. What a power play going and just being like, we the people is dead. Like, you can't do that in a scripted promo. He was able to just go with it and make, I don't know, save Jack Swagger, I imagine. Also just like calling Sammy Guevara a hunk. Like there's a lot of comedy in that promo. But because it's in service of a bunch of cocky assholes who do evil things, they're still heels. That doesn't, like it, you can be funny and be a heel. Let's just steer into AEW Dynamite from this and that was keep it or kick it. Uh, well, what you just said there about the fact that he's so compelling and you can't look away from it. I would say the entire show feels like that. Now, there were stretches of this show, the women's tag, for example, where maybe that wasn't the case. But, like, I found my number one note that I took coming out of that show and into today's podcast was I am so conditioned through my years and years of watching WWE TV at this point mm -hmm. that wrestling is something that I watch while I fuck around on my phone. Right, yeah, of course. And I don't fuck around on my phone while I watch Dynamite. Really? I mean... Boy, you're going to love NXT. <laughs> I did for a little while. In the, Do in you think the, Dynamite's a better show than NXT right now? I mean, yeah. Really? I, I mean, I, I enjoyed Dynamite more than I did, enjoyed last week's NXT. I haven't watched this week's. Okay. I the the, the, the wrestling is better on NXT, sure. but the show is better on Dynamite. The Freshman presentation is just worth so much, isn't it? Like, there is something that just looks like, it's like, oh, this isn't, your brain doesn't default just into like, 
okay, I'm doing this. It's like the different look really adds a lot. And this is two weeks in a row now where they've opened the show with a lengthy match yeah, featuring that. a member of the elite. Love that. Like, What a great way to construct your show where every show is going to have four or five wrestling matches on it. Yep. And the opener and the main event will be a member of the elite. Yeah, really smart, really good. Uh, I thought they did a marvelous job with Darby Allen throughout the episode, like obviously building him up. They only have one week to build a guy to be a title contender. Private party? What stars these guys are after one match? What yeah? an incredible match that was. I thought that <laughs> match was so much incredible? fun. It was so much fun, dude. I had such a good time watching that. I think that's great. I think it was a totally good tag match. And I think, like you say, the positioning of it in the show was awesome. Like, just here we go. I never once was like, I should see what is happening on Twitter right now. I was glued to that match. That's the great. Time. That's absolutely great. And, uh, and you're right that, like, in the grand scheme, is that a better match than, like, a match that happened on NXT? Probably not. But I'm so bored of the WWE presentation that, like, I I know that there are certain cues within WWE presentation where it's like, okay, I'm good right now. Like, tune out for the next four minutes. Well, and good is, like, not to get too heady about this, but it's insanely relative. Like, there's no – I'm going to watch – I could not be more excited to watch Nick Gage versus Orange Cassidy Saturday night on GCW. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be a better match than Private Party versus Young Bucks, but I'll happily come on here next week, and I will say that it was a better match. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just this different look really can add add so, so much. For sure. Uh, what else was on uh, Dynamite that's worth uh, talking about? The Jericho promo was definitely what left the show with me. Darby Allen, can we get Darby Allen just skateboarding everywhere? Darby Allen feels like a star. And when I was watching him, I was also thinking, man, our boy El Phantasmo, who can hear this Sunday night on Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. And watch him wrestle for the New Japan Junior Heavyweight title this it, Sunday. Absolutely, that too. Uh, our boy. I hope he signs with AEW when he comes to North America. If they can present Darby Allen to feel like a big deal after one week like they did this week, I, like I, they could make Elf P into just an unbelievable star. What about what about we let him ruminate New Japan? For no, I'm a not bit? saying it has to happen immediately. Does he not feel like he could be a Kenny Omega to you? He, like some comedy influence, but deeply an asshole. He feels like junior heavyweight Kenny Omega to me. The match qualities there, the like super snideness, like it really, I'm not saying he's identical to Kenny Omega, but he showed up, junior heavyweight, rushed to a title, rushed to a junior title match. I don't know. I, I, I really think my homerism might be for LP, but I, I really think you could see something. No, you're right. And one of the big things that I talked about him when I interviewed him uh, last week was just the idea that, uh, you know, to, to restart in a brand new company when you're 32, 33 years old, yeah. to go all the way back to the bottom of the ladder in a brand new place where no one knows who you are, to have to uh, carry the gear and set up the ring at the beginning of shows with the 18-year-olds because nobody in the UK has any clue who you are. Right. What a weird process. Yeah, and, no kidding. And what it says about his talent, man, that he was able to just jump right through all of that right to the top of all these UK companies and that New Japan saw it in him immediately. Yeah, they just, I mean, the timing was good. Like they had all these gaijins leaving and it's like, wait, this guy can wear a leather jacket and be kind of an, get him in Bullet Club. What are we, <laughs> hang on a sec. What are we talking about here? Get this guy in Bullet Club. Yeah. Uh, other than that, um, the main event was just kind of okay this week, I guess, on Dynamite. But the show but was the just... But the angle was fun at the yeah, end, too. Yeah, and the show was super fun overall. I had a very good time watching it, and I can't wait to watch it again next week. Though, 
ratings were down relative to what they were the week before. I think they but lost. But yeah, after a premiere, that's going to happen. Yeah, of course. I think they lost 400,000 or so. But I like we talked last week. I'm surprised because one of our big talking points coming out of last week's show was that was a show that delivered the goods and if you were interested should have brought you back. They were never going to do a bigger number the second week than the debut, though, were True, they? True, and they're going up head-to-head against baseball playoffs now, so. And, yeah, I don't know. I just, debut carries like a certain, and if they can stay above that million, man, I really think that that's going to be tremendous. Yeah. Like, I'm kind of surprised like a third didn't come back the second week, but I'm not even sure. Yeah, no, that does seem a little weird to me. I was like, I think they did 1.1, and last year was one, last week was 1. 1.4, something like okay, that. Okay, that's not, you know, yeah. that seems a little weird to me, though. I thought last week was a really good show. I thought so, too. But who knows? Jim, I'd just like the to... The real j- problem is they haven't put Joey Janela on TV yet. If they put Janela on TV... Dude, Janela is money. They'd be, they'd be up there with SmackDown. Yeah, they got Jenny, Joey Janela. 3.9. <laughs> they got a high... Dude, Janela definitely pulls $2 million. Absolutely. No, when you get the word out that Janela's going to be on TV, everybody is going to drop everything I'll, and flip over to that channel. Quote my buddy Seth Rollins, burn it down <laughs> when Joey Janela comes That's out. You knew that they were in trouble, by the way, on Sunday night. No one. When Seth came out and no one, not a single soul in that no. arena said burn it down. Dude, I felt... He was dead to that audience before the match even started. Baffling. Oh, and did you feel a little bad for him when he was like queuing up the curb stomp and just getting booed? Well, you couldn't even... The, the whole atmosphere of the match was so bizarre that I had a hard time discerning what the crowd was upset about at any given time. They just wanted the Fiend to win. uh, But it was a familiar scene as a uh, member of the Shield and then top babyface gets booed in Hell in a Cell against Bray Wyatt while charging up their finisher. I mean, hell, you could say, uh, yeah, that it's happened to all three of those guys at this point. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's how they should (laughs) have finished the match, is that Seth goes under the ring and digs out a a TV that's still plugged into a power source. And then he runs into the ring with it and the TV explodes. That would have been an even better finish Dude, than that, what we got. That Mox promo they put out before AEW yesterday. Again, that same sort of electric feel of like you can tell there's nobody writing that for him. Yeah, I mean, imagine but having that guy. Mox <laughs> needs to be given promos on TV. That You cannot be putting that out on the internet. Yeah, I didn't understand how that was. I thought that exact clip would be on the show. I just sort of assumed because I thought it was that sort of good, to yeah. be honest, but no such luck. Jim, I'd like to run down a couple matches here on uh, this Sunday's New Japan Power Struggle and then uh, we'll head off for the week. What do you say sure, about that? Yeah. Sounds good. We just talked about it a little bit, or at least about this gentleman, as El Phantasmo challenges for the New Japan Junior Heavyweight title against one William Ospreay. I think their fourth match together or something. A lot of matches, but never in New Japan for singles. Will LP be taking on the Junior Heavyweight this weekend? I mean... I say yes. Yeah, he very well might, honestly. Who, I'm only thinking in this way. He, who feels more natural for Hiromu to return to? Heal El Phantasmo? Or going up to heavyweight Will Ospreay. No, you're right. You're right. It's LP. The only thing that isn't clear to me is that there's one more show before the Dome, and I don't know who Ospreay would do if he isn't moving up to L. Unless that's like his entrance to heavyweight, and he just fights like a Lance Archer or something. But Yeah, and I feel like if you wanted to have LP be your big bad heel uh, junior heavyweight, you'd need to do that right now. Yeah, that that's basically why I'm picking it. Uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship that their champion cannot defend in the U.S., which is unbelievably funny to me, and I love it. Uh, John Moxley defending in a rematch of one of my matches of the year, quite frankly, this year, Juice Robinson. I think his first match leaving WWE, wasn't it? Uh, Mox? Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, but it I love that match. It was fantastic. Debuted the Death Rider, and now uh, do we the, think... The, the, the most I've ever been into Juice Robinson ever. For sure. Do you think Juice gets his win back here? Um... I mean, it, 
it seems like Mox has the freedom to work as much New Japan as he wants. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I really have no f- feeling on this one. Yeah, it feels like almost entirely contingent on scheduling for me. It, I'm almost... I hate to, like, look at the way guys contracts work and like try to read but results part that of way, it. but you have to it's and part of it and there's no real uh direction either way the only reason i think it is going on juice is that i'm really sure they're going to do mox versus suzuki at the dome and so if that's happening i don't think that's for the u.s title fair but that's just uh, one man's opinion so i'm gonna pick juice robinson to pick this title back up and uh, Big Fucking Mox picks up uh, a little bit of a loss. Does team. that loss go on his AEW win-loss record? <laughs> That's a question for Tony Khan, brother. <laughs> uh, here, here's one that uh, if we were ever going to get into evil, wouldn't you say it'd be uh, wrestling Kota Ibushi? Uh, yeah, probably. I like evil, though. Maybe not as a singles guy as much as a tag guy. But if you yeah. had to rank all the members at LIJ, where's Evil? Uh, he's probably towards the bottom. Who's above? Is it Bushi or Evil? Those are the only appropriate bottom two guys. I don't know. Uh, it might probably be Bushi for me. <laughs> yeah, that might be the case. Uh, I like I like there's, there's a step to this match where Bushi is putting his rights to challenge for the title at Wrestle Kingdom on the Ooh. line. So I'm pretty sure everybody's expecting Evil Okada. Of course, at yeah. That's going to happen. <laughs> but I still think it's cool that there's, there's something good play here it's uh you know some stake but i'd be very surprised to see evil pick up the win here. yeah i mean like we've been talking about AEW. they're putting these stakes on their tv matches and obviously we knew that cody wasn't going to lose his jericho match on right the season opener but it still was something you know absolutely so yeah i can't uh poo-poo it on new japan if i'm uh, giving it the thumbs up on AEW, i guess and now Kazuchika Okada defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Sonata. Handsome Sonata. Going to be a good match. Their match previous was fantastic. Yes, it was. Um, I hope this goes long. Uh, I hope we get to really see the depth of Sonata's moveset. I'm overdue for an Okada banger. Uh, again, it feels very set to me that Okada's going to win this match. I, I, like, is Sonata really going to yeah. take this belt off of him? Kind of an inconsequential pay-per-view when you lay out all the matches like that. Besides, and you'll note that I saved it for last, Minoru Suzuki taking on Jushin Thunder Liger. It's going to be awesome. This is my most anticipated match of, I don't know, the weekend for sure, of but I don't life. know what else is going on. Yeah, of life. I, if you could don't make it only watch Gage it's- versus Cassidy or... Uh, Suzuki and Jushin. I'm watching Suzuki and Jushin. That's a huge compliment coming from a gentleman such as yourself. Well, I know Gage is going to bleed, but it's less rare at GCW. I'm pretty sure we're going to get blood here in uh, Suzuki versus uh, Jushin. I thought Suzuki, much like Brock running from Kane, seeing Suzuki run from Liger was very appealing to me. And these guys have a profound amount of mutual respect. Both rumored, we know this is Jushin's last uh, New Japan show. And Minoru rumored to be leaving as well. So, so much on, you know, going on. Very excited for that. And Lager's going to wear the red mask in more ways than one. Hey, come on. Jamo, I think we got everything we want to talk about. I just want to say, you and I were talking about this before we started recording today. I definitely feel like since AEW launched... My ability to keep up with New Japan has just gone out the window. Yeah, I don't think I don't even know when the shows are anymore. That's, I mean,. Maybe this is the roles we can bring to the show. I'll keep in touch with NWA and New Japan and GCW. And I will keep in touch with the shows that you are also watching. <laughs> yeah, and also I will watch AEW and Raw and SmackDown and continue to eat shit and be a wild man. 
Mad Men, you got Wrestling Central this Sunday. Wrestle Central, Sunday night, 10 p.m. El Fantasmo joining me. Uh, I When I asked for him for an interview, he said he'd give me five minutes. I took 15. He Rude. probably thinks I'm an asshole. Rude. But it turned out to be a good interview. So look forward to that. Headbanger. Sunday night, rather. Sunday night at 10. I have also launched a new podcast. I have something to plug. You can head on over to Twitter, Why Our Bad Childhood. It's a review show with our friend Matt Prince. Talking about nostalgia items. This week we review Neopets. Next week is Tamagotchi. And there's fun stuff coming yeah, down the and line. You've finished recording the Tamagotchi episode. Yeah. And you're still keeping up with your Tamagotchi. He, you, I just put him in there because you he's love him. That's who I said was your son at the beginning of the episode. I love Tamagotchi. You put your son down to bed. And that's a spoiler for next week's app, but I love the fucking thing. <laughs> you're done with your experience. Experiment and you're keeping the little guy around. Wonder if I'll do that for Napoleon Dynamite. JMO! Until next week, I'm saying Pepperoni Sticks! Say yeah! Did you catch any movies this week? I, I was going to go see Joker on Tuesday and I just ran out of time. Well, did you, I, have, you, have you seen it? Have I did seen? go see Jokey. Uh, did you like it? Yes. Yes, I liked it. Really? I, I'm just kind of surprised about all the dialogue on all sides of it. I didn't think it was this all time classic movie. I didn't think it was this detrimental to society murder porn. Well, see, everybody pushing that didn't see the movie. Yeah, that's that a, was. If con- you've seen the movie, that's abundantly clear. That was concern about the movie, like two months out from its release. Really, just the stupidest fucking hype train that anything has ever had. It's very similar to the way that like Lady Ghostbusters was marketed, right? Where it's like, if you don't see this movie, then the Bad sexists online have won. It's like, yeah, what if the movie sucks? <laughs> I thought that movie was really funny, actually. Well, the plot was bad. The, the jokes was were funny. insanely bad. The jokes were funny. But, yeah, I, I mean, when even the arguments I heard out for being against it, I was like, it just sounds like the arguments you... It's like, are we writing off all villain origin stories? Like, it makes you feel bad for this horrible guy. It's like... I don't see people protesting Breaking Bad, like, but but I also don't think it's I don't think it's the best Joaquin Phoenix performance in a while. Uh, if you're looking to not feel bad because of the social uh, tie-ins, I'd really recommend go watching last year's You Were Never Really Here, starring Joaquin Phoenix, an yeah. incredible film. And can we just talk about one more thing? Yeah, the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen reg- with relation to any movie okay. ever. Yeah. The news media with this film was just fucking jacking their dicks in hopes that somebody shot up a theater. Dude, that was so bizarre. They was wanted they were cheering it, for it. They wanted it so fucking bad. <laughs> like, will you please just commit bloody murder in a movie theater so we can uh, plaster your face everywhere and make you the next James Holmes? Did you see the uh, Kabrickian article about that? No. Uh, for those who don't know, the Kubrickian is like the onion for movies. And they were like, uh, crowds disappointed as Joker fails to deliver on a mass murder in the theater. <laughs> yeah, that's why I would show up to the movie. Uh, I, I want to die. Please kill me as I watch this. Not to go too far down the rabbit hole here, but if we didn't have like a super Americanized media core, this would never happen. Like the idea that seeing a movie, it's like, what if people are going to start shooting up movie theaters? Like maybe stop fucking cheering for it because it's never happened in most countries. Yeah, and also James Holmes, who shot up The Dark Knight Rises, the idea that he was dressed as the Joker as he did that is so patently wrong. Yeah, just not it's true. a floated conspiracy theory that is provenly false. He was dressed up wearing fucking police gear, wearing combat gear, body armor. He was dressed like a SWAT team member. So if you want to decry the real evils of society, it's not the Joker. It's the fucking police. Yes, I went there. And that is twisted. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>